little background of where we're at. So by and large, uh, what is our church about? Um, we love Jesus. Jesus is our king. He's the one. He's our savior and king. And so he saves us not just to be liberated from pain and eternal death and just to kind of be go back and be like a feral animal. Like he has actually liberated us from sin to actually have him as our king. We love him. We like him. We want to go see what he thinks and what he says, and we get, his, get our leadership from him. And we want to know what he, what he says, and so we keep going back and studying Scripture. So our, our tendency here is that we will pick a book, one of the books, and most of the time a New Testament book, and we will just work our way through that book. And so about a month ago, we started this book called Romans. It's a, it's a pretty big and significant book in the New Testament. And today's passage comes out of that book. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to look at this. And if you don't, today I put it up on the screen so you can read along with me or you can see how bad my reading is. Okay, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And it says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. I'll explain that word gospel in a second which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So this is where we get the story uh, from where he, where he put it. He put it in the Old Testament New Testament. In the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, this is Jesus, by the way, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So God's long-promised son would be from the Jewish people, and particularly descendant of their ancient king, David. And then verse 4, and was declared to be the son of God, in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the claim here is that the Father himself, God the Father, is declaring that Jesus actually is his son by raising him from the dead. It was his due declaration. So it's really significant, if it's true, that God himself is saying, if you want to know who I am, I want you to listen to him. And he said a couple different ways. Uh, back in the first part of Jesus' ministry, there's this moment where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water, and, and the Father affirms, he goes, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. So there, at the beginning of his ministry, this is my son. And then later on, halfway through his ministry, there's this moment called the Transfiguration, where Jesus and a couple of his disciples go up on this mountain. It's just, when you first read it, you're like, what's, what's going on here? But when you understand what's happening, it's this amazing story where Jesus brings the disciples up on top of the hill, and all of a sudden, Jesus is transfigured, transformed. He's glowing, and he's walking around with two dead guys, right, Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah are important because they're the two leading figures of the Old Testament. Moses, writer of the first five books, um, Elijah being like, like the king of the prophets, right? And so Peter, he's one of Jesus' followers, um, takes the bite. It's divine, it's divine bait. Um, Peter goes, oh, my goodness. We now know who these are. This is Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And Peter's like, I got an idea. Let's make three, like, tabernacles. Let's make three little moments of celebration for these three guys. And then the father steps in, and this is the whole point of it. The father says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Like, in the presence of the Old Testament writers, listen to the son. Listen to him. So we see at the beginning of the ministry, we see the Mount of Transfiguration, where, where the Father is proclaiming Jesus' authority even over the Old Testament. And then here, Jesus, the Father, after Jesus' whole ministry, the Father knows everything Jesus has said. And Jesus has said amazingly exclusive things. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. All these amazing things. 
The father has heard it. He's heard all of it. He's seen the miracles. And then the father has seen Jesus go through all of the trial and sit despised on the cross for sins. He sees all of that. And Jesus dies. And the father, having seen all of that, says, Amen to everything he has ever said. And I will declare this by raising him up from the dead. That's the argument of this. Pretty amazing. And in doing that, the Father is saying to them and to us and to me and to you, listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus Christ, my son. And so the Spirit says to Paul, that God the Father has declared authoritatively and sufficiently and obviously through the resurrection to each one of us that Jesus was the Son of God and, and God himself, that he wants us to truly listen to him. But what is it, in Jesus' terms, what does it mean to listen to him? So um, my story is that I was born a non-listener of God. I was a lover of self versus a lover of God. I was anti-God. And so is everybody. We're all anti-God. And then God brings the gospel to me, shows me the truth of himself, and brings me to repentance, and I trust him. And that moment, I become a listener, and then I live a life of listening. I don't just listen to him once, right? It's like, all right, I heard you. I become a listener. And in that process, um, I read scripture, and I'm a part of a church, and I go to where God's word is taught. I just happen to be teaching this morning, too, which means I had to do more listening this week. So I was reading um, two weeks ago in my devotions, like just a little time with Jesus, like spending time like reading his word, I was in the book of Mark, and uh, there's a whole chapter, largely a whole chapter, that's actually a really kind of amazing setup if you think about it. Jesus has a whole chapter of parables teaching about what it means to listen and not listen to him. And he starts off, this is Mark 4, and the first thing he says is listen. So listen to my four parables about listening, and in the end of it he says, and if you have ears to hear, let me hear. Right? So it's kind of a neat thing where he goes, you need to listen to me because the whole thing's about listening, but listen to me if you're a listener to me. So I'm going to read a couple of things out of Mark chapter 4 this morning because in the beginning of Mark, if we're going to listen to Jesus, what is his message? I mean, he says a lot. I mean, the Bible's pretty thick. If you brought one with you this morning, it's like that thick unless you have like old King Jimmy and it's like that thick. Um, <laughs> So, so it's, it's a lot he says, but what is, what is the nugget? What is the summary? The summary of everything he said is this thing called the gospel. It's called the gospel. And so that's where Paul says, hey, I am a, an apostle for the gospel of God. Jesus then says in the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, this is the summary message, Jesus. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the summary of Jesus' message. The kingdom's at hand, repent and believe the gospel. What does it mean by kingdom of God? Meaning this, that Jesus is a king, and he has a kingdom, and he's just arrived. He has brought his kingdom upon us. He's not just, um, not just a friend, not just an advisor, not just a figure, he's not just a prophet, but he's actually the rightful king over all things. And his claim is that he is the wise king, the perfectly compassionate king, the one that is true and good, the one who actually knows what good and evil is, what beauty and ugly is. He knows all those things because you and me and our great aunts, everybody around the world, we don't inherently know what is good and bad. We don't know what is true and false. We don't know what is light and dark. That's why the light came into the world because the, the world was full of darkness. And that's me. 
And that's you before Jesus. And so we need Jesus as the great correcting king who out of love and wisdom and no scorn and no meanness and no selfishness comes to kindly, kindly love and lead us. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he says, repent and believe the gospel. Funny word meaning repent. Mean, <laughs> mean this, Jesus didn't come and say, all right, guys, you guys are just nailing it, planet Earth. Um, especially in the Ukraine and in Cameroon um, and everywhere on this planet over all history, obviously. He didn't come and say, hey, just keep going like you're going because it's good. The message of Jesus is something. Stop dead in your tracks and repent. He comes for a worldwide problem, right? A worldwide problem. Come and repent. Turn from being anti-God to being pro-God, being a self-lover to a God-lover, being part of darkness, being part of light. It's that 180 process. Repent. And how do you do that? You believe in the gospel. You believe what he's saying, which is, I will be your king. I will bring you from wandering independently in lostness, deciding for yourself with the help of social media and your family what's good and bad, where morals and ethics are, those kind of things. I'll lead you in truth. And not only will I lead you, but how do you get under me? He goes, watch me die on the cross for this. Jesus' cross death on Friday was him doing the thing that enabled us to become part of his kingdom. And you can't become part of his kingdom without what he did on Friday. How do you get what happened on Friday to apply? These promises. Believe in me. Believe my free offer of these things. Quit trying to do good things to impress me. You can't. You can't make those kind of fires. You can't pay me off. You, you can't do that. Stop moving. Stop moving. Repent. Believe in the gospel. And he fleshes this out in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 4, a number of passages, and I'm just going to put these up here. We're going to walk through them. It's, just, um, it's this old, pretty famous analogy. Um, it's the parable of the four soils, okay? The parable being there's a person who's scattering seeds. And in there, there's four types of soils, and they're all parables talking about what it means to listen or not li to not truly listen to Jesus. So we're just going to walk through them, okay? So here we are. First soil starts off, oh, there's that word, listen. Behold, that's another word for listen. A sower went out to sow, throwing seeds. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So that's the parable. Now, if you're reading this at home, and you should at home, you'll notice I'm actually skipping ahead 15 verses because Jesus gave the whole parable because here's what Jesus was doing. He was demonstrating how everyone kind of likes to hear him but not hear him. So he's speaking in parables, and then later on, his boys around the campfire are like, what was that? And he goes, all right, all right, you aren't picking up. If, and he basically says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to get the rest of them? Because this is like the low-hanging fruit parable. Um, this is like the simple one. And he gives the, the instruction key for it. And he says in the explanation in verse 15, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, where they hear and Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown. So the picture is seed hits the path, it's rock. Seed bounces, birds come along, pick it off. And Jesus goes, what I'm actually referring to is this. The word of God goes out to some people, and they just don't care. They just don't care. They audibly register in the ear holes what's been said, but they don't care. And when you don't care about God's word, it's not going to do its thing. In fact, it's going to dissipate. You might be able to say, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. But you haven't heard it and remembering it vibrantly, and you're not believing it at heart. It's just picked off and gone. So that's our first piece. So listening, and our first element is this, listening is cherishing God's word. It's not just passing it by. 
It's actually cherishing it, going after God's word, seeking God's word. And when that God's word comes to us in the scripture, when we see it, we read it, we don't just go, oh, that's interesting, or oh, that's optional. That's not the heart of listening. So that's the first analogy, is that listening is cherishing God's word. The second one is soil two. Soil two says this, other seeds fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. Okay, so, so here's the picture. It's kind of like a it's desert in Israel. I grew up in the desert in California. We actually have some of the same plants in my hometown as we do in Israel. It's kind of weird. Um, Water is a precious resource out there because you don't have it. And, uh, but sometimes you get this, this soil that is basically rock, and, and, and blown topsoil will land on the rock and creates a pocket of soil. And because it's rock underneath, it kind of holds some, so holds some water there. And seeds, land and that kind of stuff, tend to sprout pretty quickly, like in a, in a greenhouse-type situation, where it taps into that, grows, and sprouts up pretty fast, but it can't last. Because there's only a little handful of soil right there, and so it fades away. So that's the analogy. The interpretation in verse 16 is this. He goes, and these are the ones, uh, sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. Oh, yes. Like, get excited, get giddy, get a little emotional. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, and when the tribulation or persecution rises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So they get pretty excited about it. They're like, yes, I'm saved. Get me in the water. I want to be baptized. I, uh, maybe a, a, like a flurry of activity, like a, a rush, a sprint out the door. But in the end, it just peters out as soon as difficulty comes on them. It's the second soil. It's not really listening. Not really listening, just simply audibly hearing the cues is not listening, and simply having an emotional rush and, uh, and a plunge towards it, like, uh, maybe a sprint for a moment towards it. That's not real listening. Real listening is something different. It's wholeheartedly and permanently entrusting yourself to Jesus. It's perpetually following. That's real listening. The third soil is, uh, oh, sorry, missed up my slide there. So it's perpetually following. The third soil is found in, chapter, in verse 7, the other seed fell among the thorns. So now we're in 3 or 4, right? The other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Here's the interpretation. Verse 18, and the others are the ones sown among thorns, and those are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Proves unfruitful. The picture being, when the plant can't get light, it just can't grow, can't bear fruit. Jesus says, this is what happens when the word of God comes to people. And I think, that honestly, for okay, for our church family, and I don't know who you are or where you're at, if you're online or, or here visiting, but when you are a believer and the word comes to you and you listen to it, but you're not careful, and just cares and concerns, like that American dream, all my fears, all my hopes, all my stuff, all my Facebook shopping, all that kind of stuff just clouds out the word and doesn't let the word grow. In fact, we just go to all those places instead of going to God's word, instead of going to him and seeking what he is saying so we can continue to listen to him. Uh, we just can't see the light of day because we got junk hanging over us the whole time. It's the American clutter, right? It's everywhere around the world. It's just the clutter of stuff, the cares and concerns of this world. And it's not really listening to Jesus. It ends up in being a life, particularly those who would know Jesus, who would just, ah, I'm just going to tap into enough Jesus, just it's like a seasoning of Jesus versus actually 
listening to Jesus. And that itself is not listening. Soil number three shows us that listening is undistractedly following. That word undistractedly, you may search right now, may not find that. I might have made that word up. Um, But you know where I'm going, right? Listening is undistractedly following. And I'm just telling you, we're not going to make fun of you for it, but it is an enormous threat over your life. If you want to see someone who has to fight against it, take me to coffee. I will tell you about the fight against undistracted living. I am the king of distractions, um, and I actively have to fight against it. I actively have to say, no, I'm not going to start that hobby. No, I'm not going to dig that hole. No, I'm not going to catch that thing. No, 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 I want to focus. And I fail a lot. I fail a lot as God's child. My family can tell you all about this. But in failing, here's what I do. I remember who my Christ is. So I'm preparing this lesson, right? I see soil three. I'm fully aware with soil three, I kind of feel like the Lord is sitting next to my desk with a big smile as we read soil. I'm like, I know, I know. So I'm, I'm like literally on my knees going, Lord, please help me. I know that I am most in threat of this soil three. I mean, it's just a looming threat in my life. So what do I do as a believer? I remember who I am in Jesus. Uh, a couple of us were talking this week about failing as, as, as God's children failing. I remember who I am in Christ since I have trusted him, that my, his love for me is, is assured. So I remember that. Then I confess what it is. Like, Lord, I've let a lot of junk come into my life and things I love and think that I think that endless YouTube videos are going to be more satisfying than reading what you say. Stupid. It's not true. You said it's not true, and I've tested it time and time again. But I've believed it again. So I confess that I've done that, and I, and I repent. And I'm asking you to lead me and guide me. How do you want me to pursue you in reading and in prayer and the word? So I'm a soil three guy that I wrestle with, and um, I honestly think that probably most of you guys are too. But some of you guys are soil two, but they're probably not here. Soil four. Soil four is found in chapter four, verse eight, and it said the other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. The interpretation is verse 20, but those that were shown on the, the good, those who were sh- sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60-fold and 100-fold. Listening is believing and bearing fruit. The fourth soil where our hearts, where we actually are listeners, is when the word comes to us and we seek the word out, that we accept it and we hold on to it. We believe it. And when you really believe the word of God, when you really are listening to Jesus, it will bear fruit in your life. It will move through to a life of loving him, a life of loving the people around you. It's this fruit that, that endures. And the fruit is not simply something you can see and be more sure that God really is working in your life, but also that fruit is actually delightful and joyful. That fruit brings joy to the Lord. And I would just tell you, my friends, that fruit will bring delight and joy to you. When you trust the Lord as his child, when you trust him and follow him and those fruit come out, right, those fruit of life that are around that the spirit produces, you will find that they will be the, some of the sweetest things that you will ever encounter in the world because they're actually fruit of the spirit that are given by God to you. Amazing testimony the fact that actually you are his and that he does love you and that he does and he is working in you. So listening is believing and bearing fruit. And he finishes off that parable with these words in verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What does it mean to follow? What does it mean to listen to Jesus? This is the father saying, listen to him. It's kind of like, okay, so once upon a time, let's just say yesterday. Let's say in the Burns house. If there are some people there, 
and um, there's this amazing mom, and the mom has a message to give to one of the other younger people in the house. And so the mom entrusts this message to another person and sends that other person to tell the other person this message from mom. And let's just say dad is sitting there on the couch watching this whole thing. And in some degree, you can kind of hear from the other room, this is my beloved daughter, listen to her. But it was kind of hard in that moment because the person sitting there receiving the message goes, are you really trustworthy? You're not saying this, but it's in the eyes. Are you making this up? Are you pulling an authority stunt on me? Is this your own self-created message? But indeed, it really was a message sent from the mom of glory to the person. And I had, a sit to, I had a chance to watch this. I know where this sermon's going today. I'm like, oh, this is kind of good, right? <laughs> that here is a passed on message. And that person should be hearing that supposedly mom has said something. I'm not going to tell you how the story went. I'll just leave it there, right? It's a story of authoritative pass on, right? And um, happens in every home. Happens in every home. Hi, guys. I love you all. Um, and I, I encountered this thing yesterday sitting on the couch kind of laughing and also concerned because I'm a dad. Right, like, yeah, let's watch this. And, um, and it ended well. It ended well. But this is exactly what the father's doing. He's, he is authoritatively saying by the resurrection, this is my son, listen to him. So the question is, what does that mean for you? Where are you at in this? Because in verse 4 it says that the father, that, that God himself declared Jesus to be his son, and he wants us to listen to him. The resurrection wasn't just a neat deal that we have ham around every year. It wasn't just a, an occasion, just something to be wondered at. The resurrection itself was the Father testifying to you, to you, to me, that Jesus is real. He is who he says he was, which is the king. Remember how he was on trial for that on Friday? And that he did die and rise again for sin. That's what the Father is saying through Easter. And in kind graces, he lets us celebrate it every year culturally. It's a pretty amazing thing. So, so believer in the room, my brothers and sisters, I may not have ever met you, but if you know Jesus Christ, you've come into him, you've rested in the work of Jesus. I want to call you to this. Do you remember the joys of listening to Jesus? I'm not s meaning sitting cross-legged on the lawn trying to like intercept some strange airborne signals about what God is saying. Going to his word. Do you remember joys, the moments the history of where God has, you've gone to his word and you've listened by his grace to his word and his word is like popped. And you've got it and it got brought delight to your soul. And you spoke back to him in prayer. Do you remember those? Do you remember how sweet those are? Sometimes they happen a lot, sometimes they don't happen a lot, but do you remember those things? And is that now part of you? Are you actively listening? Because um, that's the funny thing about Christians. Christians are people who believe and keep believing. People who rent and repent and keep repenting. We're secure in Christ, but we keep doing this. We listen and keep listening. So brothers and sisters in Jesus, are you consistently running to Jesus to listen to him, to really listen to him? Or is your listening apparatus tuned towards all the thorns and thistles of this world instead of to him? And if it is, remember who you are in Christ Get on your knees and ask him for help. Ask the Spirit's guidance for how to pursue him in worded prayer and use us to help that. Remember his love, that he walked himself to the cross for you. He did it for the people that failed him in person then. 
And he did it for the people who would fail him right after he died. And he did it for all of us who would continue to wrestle. He walked himself to the cross for you. So confess your sin in the power of the Spirit and commit yourself to being with him, ask him for leading how to do that. And if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know, man, I've never heard anything like this, and I'm kind of confused. I'd say this. The Father has testified to you. That's his claim. That he has testified to you that Jesus is real, not only by what he has said, but also by how he's raised Jesus from the dead, and that he recorded that for you to hear today read from the scriptures. I didn't make that up. I put it up there. I, I, I literally copied and pasted that right out of the Bible, right? It's his words. And so God is testifying to you that Jesus is real, and that he is the king, and that you need to submit to him, to come to him and bow to him. But he's not a mean king. He's wonderful. He's life. He's wisdom. He's good. He's right. He's the true one. And it's where life is found. So I would encourage you, run to him. And in this, let me just, instead of me telling you he's wonderful and life is found in him, for the believer, for the unbeliever, for the believer, I just remind you of these things and these promises. And for you, if you're out there trying to wrestle with who Jesus is and do I really want to trust him? Is that king actually good? Okay, so he's rightful king, and he is rightful king. And we would owe our allegiance to him even if he was not exactly nice and gracious to us. We'd owe it to him. But he is gracious to us and full of love. And so I'm going to leave you with a couple of verses as we go through, just so you can kind of see yourself. This, this is how King Jesus, the one the Father says you need to listen to him, this is how he describes his heart for us. Right? This is what's available to you in Jesus. And you don't have it until you come to him and believe him, put your faith in him, which you could do in your seat right there, or afterwards, come talk to us. But these are the things, the promises he gives us. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Come to me. Another verse, another one. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ promises to give you life after death, pro promises to give you life while you live, and he promises to give you rest. Our third one. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So third thing Jesus claims is that I'm giving you my words. Listen to my words, because if you listen to my words, I will give you a different type of joy, not your normal onboard stuff, a different type of joy, my joy, and the fullness of it. And finally, our fourth piece, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I know that's a strange imagery, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, but it's the picture of joy and of truth coming out of us. So when we trust Christ, we overflow in joy. And those of us that know Jesus can testify to the joy that he has given us as we listen to him, and we can also testify when we're not listening to him and we're forgetting it and we're going back to our old ways, um, how we lack that joy. But Christ promises, come to me and out of you flows fountains of living water. Joy that comes out, the message of Christ, the spirit moves through us. So those are four promises that I put out there so you don't have to trust my words, but you can trust in the words of Christ. So Romans chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 tells us this. The Father has declared by resurrecting Jesus from the dead that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the King of the world, the Son of God, and he wants you to listen to him. My question is, will you listen to him? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give about 30 seconds of quiet. I hope you can handle it. And I'm giving you 30 seconds of quiet so you can just talk to the Lord.
If you know him, thank him. Ask him for guidance and wisdom to listen to him more. If you don't know him, ask him for this. You can tell him, I read your own words, that if you believe in me, you will be saved. You believe me, I will have life. I want that life. Don't be soiled too. This is not flash in the pan. This is not a quick little run. But would you wholly give yourself over to him? So let me pray, and I'll give us a moment of silence. We'll sing. Father, <clears throat> I just ask you for the power of your spirit that you stir in us right now as we would think and reflect on these things. Give my brothers and sisters and my friends here courage to listen to you and to interact with you in prayer right now. If this is true in your hearts, I just would encourage you to follow up on my sentence quietly in your heart. Um, Jesus, I believe you. I believe in who you are. I believe in what you said. I believe you're the rightful king and savior. And I am happy to be one that listens to you. I trust in Christ alone. Trust in you alone to bring me to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him. Jesus, we thank you for coming. Spirit, we thank you for leading him. We thank you for writing your word. We thank you for opening our eyes to understand it. And I pray, Spirit, that you would do a great work in us even as we sing these songs. Bring your children to you. Um, stir your children. Give us joy and hope. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the power that raised Jesus that day and a king who now stands victorious on our behalf. And all God's people say, Thank you.